in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. So in more Mountain West coaching news, TJ Otzelberger yesterday was asked about Iowa State for the first time, and his response was, I don't have any comment on that. So, are you reading anything into his one-sentence answer of, I don't have any comment on that? Only that Iowa State has to be his dream job. And (laughs) if it's his dream job... And that's where he was. I, yeah, I, I read into it. I'll consider it if they offer it to me, right? I mean, just like with Dutcher to Minnesota, unless you say, look, and even when you say, I'm not going, don't worry about it, that still might mean you're going. But when you leave it open like Dutcher and TJ did, you're going to consider it. And we've said this all along. If TJ Osselberger is offered a Big 12 job and the money that would come with it, you walk to, where's it, Ames, Iowa, wherever it is. I mean, you, you, mm-hmm. you go there immediately. So, I don't. I believe his wife played there, so there are definitely ties there. Apparently, the AD really likes him. We know the fans love him because they've been talking about him for three weeks now, taking the job. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, you have to understand these. It's it's apples and oranges, man. Power five. I can't believe he would turn that job down. Why would he? I don't read too much into what he said yesterday because, regardless of his answer, people would have either if he said I, you know. I love UNLV. I'm building it for years to come. Like people would have just called him a liar. Um, but right. I, I will. I will give you this one bit of reading into it information. I don't think TJ Otzelberger has ever answered a question in a UNLV press conference with one sentence. He is always giving like a thorough answer. He is always talking for like two to three minutes after any question you ask him. He'll talk for two to three minutes. I asked him, after the loss to San Diego State, I asked him, can you have your program at that level next season? Which is a ridiculous question, because of course you can't. And he still went in a thorough answer about how San Diego State's done it and how it's going to take time to get there. I He gave a one-sentence answer. I thought he might actually give a little bit more than a one-sentence answer when I asked him that yesterday, but he didn't. It was one uh-huh. sentence. It's probably the shortest answer he's given to any question that's the only thing I'd read into it yesterday is that it was out of the norm for how he normally answers questions. I was going to um, say you buried the lead. Who asked him that question? Oh, I did. I did. Absolutely. Of course. I was going to play the, the, the Tyler Bischoff ESPN yeah, hold on. radio let, drop. Let him, let him play the drop. Play it again. Started off with Tyler Bischoff from ESPN radio. I, uh, that guy is Tyler. so excited to say your name. <laughs> Tyler, I was not on it, and we don't need to go into specifics, but I heard that was kind of a crazy Zoom call. Oh my God! You, uh, we're, <laughs> we're going. We're no, no. We're going into specifics, specifics. because <laughs> because Chris Matthews is getting called out here. Because oh no! <laughs> first off, Chris Matthews, the first time he asked questions, he asked four questions, and you can ask four questions. That's fine. But Chris Matthews, before his second question, said, "Final question for me." Then asked a third question, and before it said, final question for me. And then asked a fourth question, and before it said, final question for me. But that's not the crazy part. Chris Matthews also got the last question of the entire press conference, separate from that debacle. And for some reason, Chris Matthews was leaving as this press conference was wrapping up. 
So we just see Chris Matthews <laughs> getting into his car, starting his car when he's supposed to be asking TJ Otzelberger a question, and then like he can't hear or something, but he asks his question anyway, which is, what's your favorite motivational movie? So then TJ Otzelberger answers it, and then we cut back to Chris Matthews driving down the road still on Zoom, and all we hear from Chris Matthews is, he cut out, I didn't hear him. <laughs> Well, I'm going to give Chris a pass here because my guess is he has the same mute button as I do on my computer. And there's often times when I'm yelling at you guys and you don't even know I'm still on. No, no, no. I'm going to say A plus pass. No, no, because you're sitting in your house. Chris Matthews was like, I got to get in this question about motivational movies (laughs) as I'm driving down the road. Did anyone say Hoosiers? Uh, well, only TJ answered, and he said, remember the Titans was his that's, answer. That's a better uh, answer. That's a go-to. That's a go-to, remember uh, the Titans. Uh, all right, so I'm not going to get into specifics, but there have been Zoom calls at here at the LBC that have involved somebody driving that I'm just like, could could we reschedule this? This seems dangerous. <laughs> Oh, can you see me me doing that? Forget about it. You first of all, if that happened, you'd see the screen just go completely snow, snowy because you know I hit because you know I hit something, right? I mean, would, at that point, I'm calling Sam and Ash. All, hey, of, all of a sudden, we see just like the side of your face and then the back yes. seat. And Hello, and then we'd hear, "Oh no, oh no, Bonnie's gonna be so mad. I did it again." Oh, that's beautiful. That's a great, great question. Alex Petrangelo and Mark Stone did not skate yesterday. Um, they didn't play in the game on Monday against Minnesota. Uh, I guess we'll find out more. We probably won't actually get any information. I'm sure there'll be game time decisions again, according to Pete DeBoer. Uh, sh- should we be worried? Are these a little bit more serious than Pete DeBoer was letting on? I don't know. We got to get back to Zooms. Who knows with these guys? I mean, if you told me they're out a month, I'd like, okay. If you told me they're playing tonight, I'm like, okay. Who knows with these guys when they say they're out and they're injured and upper and lower body? I, You just pretty much – the one good thing about DeBoer, though, is usually – correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, usually, I know he says game time decisions. He'll say in the Zoom in the morning whether they're playing or not. The other night, they were game time, which always I always laugh at because you've gone through a morning skate. They've obviously gotten treatment. You know if they're playing. Like these game time decisions, like what's going to happen? Because what do hockey players always say? Well, we got to go take our naps. Like they nap more than anybody. (laughs) So what's going to happen between the nap and game time that you don't know Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo are not playing? So I always laugh at that. But usually Pete DeBoer says he's playing or he's not. Right. Like I guess he gets on the ice and his ankle flares up or whatever that. Yeah, it takes a nap. (laughs) Like whatever you're dealing with flares up and, okay, I can't play today. But if that's the case, you're just not playing because it's a regular season game that at the end of the day doesn't have yeah. that much meaning. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just weird to me that it was Alex Petrangelo, excuse me, Mark Stone missed the third period against San Jose and it was more precautionary than anything. And then he didn't play in the next game and then he didn't skate the next day. And now we're sitting here on Wednesday. It's like, is he about to miss a second straight game with something that was once described well. precautionary? I mean, let's be honest. Robin Leonard did all, you know, he drove all the way to the arena and showed up, and we haven't seen him since. So <laughs> who knows Who knows who's playing on a nightly basis? Next question. Gonzaga won the WCC title over BYU 88-78. to 78. Uh, Gonzaga was down 12 at halftime 
did you think they were going to lose? Um, true story. Looked at my son, said Zags are winning, and I went out on the limb with this like really deep evaluation. I said, because I don't think BYU shooting 70% in the second <laughs> half. So on that deep and that analytical evaluation, no, I said they will come back and win the game. Did I think Kispert would hit like three threes in six seconds to open the second half? No. I thought it would take them a little longer, but... Um, BYU, they couldn't miss in the first half. I don't know. You know, Seth said that was Gonzaga's defense. I mean, you have to give them credit. They made a ton of shots, but you know as well as anyone, they weren't keeping that up. Uh, So I did not watch the first half, uh, but I see, oh, they're down 12 at halftime. I I turned it on for the second half, and in in four possessions, Gonzaga (laughs) hits three threes. BYU did score one bucket. But all of a sudden, that 12-point lead was down to five after and it was four over. possessions. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay. So they're going to come back and win this yeah. one because they just erased a 12-point deficit as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, so Gonzaga is now undefeated through the regular season, through the WCC tournament. They got six games to win in the NCAA tournament. Like, what's your expectation? Like, what are the chances you think they actually can Go undefeated, win the national title, and be the first since Indiana. I'd like to see the bracket, but obviously I, I don't think they'll do it only because it's just has been done so few times, right? I mean, it's just, you know, Wichita State um, went in. I remember the Kentucky team. I'd love to see them do it. I would. I'd love to see Gonzaga win the national championship. But, no, I don't think they will because I just think winning six more games with that kind of pressure, and the more you win, the more you're going to hear about it. I can't believe they won't get through the first weekend. You get into that Sweet 16 and Elite 8, and then people are just really talking about it. I just think they'll lose. I don't want them to, though. I, I want them to win it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, their their chances to win it, it's not like you'd put Gonzaga as a better than 50% chance no, to win no. it. Um, but they certainly, they've been the best team, and they're going yeah. to be, I, I guess they could get a, a crappy bracket with some tough teams in it. But they're they're going to be the most likely team to win the NCAA tournament this year as... I don't know if Ruby agrees with me or disagrees. Ruby's a Baylor fan. I guess. I guess. She (laughs) wants Baylor to win it. Um, So, But they're going to be the most likely team to win it. And what we've seen in the regular season, they've been so good. Like, they've dominated everyone they've played that, you you know, they're down 12 at half to BYU. And you're like, oh, Jesus. Like, that's the worst 20 minutes they played all year. Where, like, they've got blowouts over teams like Iowa. And it's like... I kind I kind of think they'll do it. I kind of think they'll be really? able to do it because of how. And again, it's been a while since they've played some of those teams, but they they've blown out everybody on their schedule. That it makes me think, yeah, they might not they might not blow everybody out, but they'll beat everybody because they're just that much better than everybody else. No, no kidding. No, you need to do before the tournament a Bischoff's briefs on the possessions because, and I don't know what the numbers are. They sh- they score so fast, like. They, and they score. Like, they're not taking bad shots, but it's like Seth Greenberg said in their transition. Like, I'd love to know their position, possessions compared to other people, other good teams. Because I'm watching last night, and, man, it's one-two pass, and they're they're getting a shot. And it's usually a good shot. It's not like, oh, boy, that's a horrible shot. You should do that because I'd love to know against Michigan or Baylor or other people. Baylor's more defensively. But, yeah, they, they, shoot, they shoot it so fast, and they're so good. That even if they're down, you're like, well, they can come back because they're just going to score. I will. I will give you Bischoff's yeah. briefs tomorrow I need that. on I need on that. pace and how fast yes. Gonzaga yes. is. There you go. And and if actually playing fast leads to winning. There you go. Get old, stay old. Here we go. 
Oh Jesus! What does that have to do with old? I just love. I just love because I think you hate that so much when anyone Go says mute get, old, get old, stay old. <laughs> Go mute yourself. Next question. The Henderson Silver Knights will have fifteen percent capacity at the Orleans Arena for their games. Tickets will go on sale on Wednesday. How how popular are these going to be? Oh come on! With weird Golden Knights, they'll be fans sold out. Less like money, they'll be sold minutes. out in two seconds. I want to see the person who has no idea it's going to happen, and that crier is going to scare the hell out of somebody because they're going to be in the stands. <laughs> And they're not really going to know what that microphone's for. That that nut job is going to come down with that scroll and start screaming about, you know, whatever he says, house nights or whatever. But Jared's right. With the Golden Knight fans of this town and what, you know, obviously there'll be less money. Yes, they will be. I'm on with Jared's side. I think they'll be sold out immediately. But if you're you're one of the people, if you're one of the people buying Silver Knights tickets, you know about the town crier, right? Like, there's no way you haven't Uh, seen it. I hope you don't because I want to see someone jump. Like when that guy starts yelling about I mean, yeah, something. Yeah, even if you know about it, when the trumpet goes off, like, <laughs> next to your head, I don't know if you're, like, if the natural response is supposed to be, oh, yeah, that guy. It's going to be, Jesus! <laughs> Man, you know, that's a great question. Last one in the front page. No running backs were given the franchise tag yesterday by NFL teams. That means you're looking at Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake at the top of the free agent running back class. When every other position it seemed like was getting tagged and all the other fun free agents were, running backs weren't. So are we looking at teams just finally realizing, yeah, yeah, none of us are ever going to pay this position ever again? Uh, They're listening to Bischoff's briefs. Running backs don't matter. Um, No, I mean, it all goes in cycles, right? So uh, like you have down here in the rundown, you know, by the time Josh Jacobs after his fifth season, I guess you got to look at what the roster is now he's played. And I, I think it's all an individual choice. Like, what's your roster? What do you need most? But if you don't have to, obviously you don't do it. I mean, if Aaron Jones isn't getting tagged, then, you know, I mean, it, maybe this is a trend now that you just won't tag running backs. Yeah, I mean, the Packers drafted a running back in the second round last year in A.J. Dillon in preparation yeah. for this, for Aaron yeah. Jones to be gone. Now, I, if I remember correctly, they didn't really – play A.J. Dillon throughout the year, except for that one game where he ran for like 120 yards. Right. But it's it's taking a risk that A.J. Dillon's going to be as good as Aaron Jones, but it's also yeah. at the same time, what tends to prove out is that most running backs are replaceable and you can get the same production from any um, NFL running back and there's no point paying a guy $10, 15000000 million yeah. like we see some of the bigger names get. I mean, the Chiefs have Clyde Edwards-Solaire now, right? On his rookie deal for like, what, three yep. or four more years. Yep, and that's that's the way you should be doing it at that position, even if it means Aaron Jones has to leave, even though how even given how good he's been with the yeah. Packers. All right, coming up next, could UNLV really lose up to sixteen million dollars by dropping the name Rebels? It's the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Jason Fitz is going to join us in about seven minutes. Sam and Ash coming up at 9.15. But there was a a story yesterday about a bill that might get passed through the Nevada legislature. Uh, And this bill would basically ban high schools from having 
uh, racist or discriminatory uh, nicknames, mascots, that type of thing. It would basically ban the school districts here from using them. Uh, But a part of that, or at least could be a part of that, is applying that same type of rule to colleges in the state of Nevada. But that's not in the bill just yet. And the reason it's not in the bill, according to the story uh, with the AP, is because UNLV talked to the assemblyman, Howard Watts, who is trying to get this bill passed, and UNLV told him, hey, if you do that and we have to drop the nickname Rebels, that will cost us between 11.6 and $16.9 million over a five-year span. So UNLV has now basically said, hey, if we drop the name Rebels, that could cost up cost us as much as 16 million. So, well, I guess I should ask you this first. Do you believe it would cost him $16.9 million to drop the name Rebels? Okay, so I love that you asked this. I'm not going to say that they didn't say this or are lying. I I, I don't know this. But I want to see a breakdown because when I saw this, this to me correlates to uh, Las Vegas is hosting the Super Bowl. It will bring in an economic impact of $77 million, And then you bring in real economists and say, actually, you lost $25 million. I mean, so when I saw that number, I'm like, okay, just give me the, the line item breakdown of what how you get to $16.9 million in terms of imaging or whatever they're talking about when it comes to if you lose Rebels. So I guess my answer to you is I don't believe it, but if they can show you and I a line item sheet that says this is how much this uh, is worth, then I'll believe it. But when when you throw numbers out like this, I always say I'm completely skeptical about stuff like that. Right, because, I mean, listen, it it would cost them money because they're going to have to get some new uniforms for sports. They're going to have to, you know, replace some floors for some, like, the Thomas and Mac or whatever. They're going to have to get new polos for all the coaches that don't say rub. So it would cost them some money. I'm just curious how... How does it get to where we're almost at seventeen million dollars that it could well, cost them to I'll, do that? I mean, so maybe, but ha- I, I like you said, I would like to see ha- it. Have one of those garage sales at the school, and you'll make back three and a half million. <laughs> yeah, that's I how mean, Tyler gets you know, half his wardrobe. <laughs> I mean, you know, when they have those like sales and all it's the great. old gear, put some new, put some new gear in there, you'll make three and a half million back. Now you're now you're down to about you know. What, about 13 million? Well, they're going to lose at least a million because people on TV won't be saying rebels anymore. <laughs> yeah. See, that's, that's the perfect analogy. And again, nothing against them out there. But when I hear that stuff about what a mention is worth, I want to know what dude in a basement figured that out. Like, who in the world figured out because they said the Wildcats and, they, oh, you know, it's worth another half a million. Like, how do you know that? I don't know how people figure that out. Someone call in if you know. His name is his name is Darren Rovell, and he is he is in that basement. (laughs) I just, I mean, look, seventeen million is a lot for a school like UNLV. I get that they're non-power five, but I really want someone to show me where that seventeen million is. I, I, that is a big number for renaming a a mascot or a, a nickname. Let's take that number at face value. Let's say they would actually lose sixteen point nine million dollars. Do you think, because they dropped Hey Reb, they retired Hey Reb, but said we're keeping the nickname Rebels. Do you think there's any chance that the only reason they kept kept the nickname Rebels is because they didn't want to spend that money? Because they didn't want to lose that money? Um, well, I mean, I guess if they believe they're going to lose it, yes. But let me counter that with you. 
let's say, and you, what did you, have you said the sharks or whatever? I don't know what it would be. Shouldn't you also counter in what you're going to make off the new one? Because you put new gear out and you put new everything out with a new name. Aren't people lining up for that? Shouldn't that balance that number out? I mean, I, I, let's see you do a really good shark logo or something because of Tark or whatever. And, you know, the UNLV fans love it. Okay, you might have lost 17, but what are you making back off the new one? I don't know the I, answer to that because, again, I'm not an economist. I think the problem is the general assumption is that if you dump Rebels, people are going to hate you and that whatever you replace it with, people are not going to like. Okay. Now, oh. we've, we've <laughs> talked about it. Shark is the one that maybe people would jump on board with because of Jerry Tarkanian, because right. there actually is a history of a shark mascot. So maybe if you had a cool shark logo and yeah, you could make some of that back. But I, I think that would be a foolish way to assume because the last time they introduced a logo, they tried to get rid of it before they ever sold a single thing. So well, uh, they might say they'd hate it, but let me, let me let you in on something. If they ever get back to the NSA tournament, people will love them again. So, oh, no doubt. Get back to no the doubt. NSA tournament. They'll be buying everything. They'll be buying the UNLV shark. Well, that's the, no yeah, that's always the question with the nickname change. Couldn't you then do throwback, like <laughs> throwback Thursday? Yeah, like no, a throwback Jared, Jersey. Jared, you can't. You cannot get rid of Rebels and claim, "Hey, we got rid of it because it was racist," and then go and then back it to back. it in the future. That's not. You are not going to see a Washington football team have a throwback day anytime soon to the Redskins. Yes, yeah. it's not going to happen. That's not, you can't throw back to the ones that's racist. That's not how it works. If you get rid of it because it's an ugly nickname, that's one thing. But if it's a racial one, the throwback becomes more difficult. <laughs> All right. Jason Fitz joins us next from ESPN. I lost this interaction. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Joining us now is Jason Fitz. Follow him on Twitter at Jason Fitz. Jason, how are you this morning? Jason, man, I'm doing spectacular. How y'all doing? <laughs> Good. Um, so, what, what was it? Two, three weeks ago, you were asking Twitter about fixing your uh, your ceiling, but now you think this is the strangest tw- Twitter question you've ever asked because you need somebody to build you a spreadsheet? Well, it's really a series of spreadsheets. In fairness, like. The, the, the drywall stuff worked out really well. Like, I got plaster help, and I figured out what I was doing. So I was like, hey, try it again. So I uh, I am building a massive database. There's a peek behind the curtains for everybody. Uh, they haven't announced yet, but I'll give you the, uh, the the scoop here. It looks like I'm going to be hosting, again, a digital broadcast of the NFL draft for ESPN, and I've done that uh. several years for us. And so what I want is a massive spreadsheet where all of the information I have for all of these uh, players we've been watching, I can keep in one database where if I double click on anything, it takes me to the random fun fact about their family's, you know, middle school experience that nobody cares about. Or it also takes me to like the basics, where they played, how they played, all those things, all in one huge database. And I realized that I have the info, but no idea how to build a database. So and I went to Twitter and what do you know? Like suddenly I'm yes. getting all these responses from really smart people that are like, let me help you out. So I'm telling you, Twitter works. Man. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do you, do you need this? For like all seven rounds of the draft, you've got to be prepared for. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's oh, why God. I need it. I mean, oh, after Lord. working so much in college football, like I got the first couple of rounds pretty easy. But I'll never forget the first year we were doing a digital show. I looked at Dominique Foxworth was on the show with me. We were in the second round, and the way we had split it up, we had Mina and Dominique Field and uh, Michael Jr. We were all together, 
And so Dominique was the guy that was sort of handling our, our defensive backfield in, in general. And I remember a corner was taken in the second round, and I looked at Dominique. I said, what do you got here? And he's like, I don't know. never heard of the guy. And so that's when I knew that like, we were going to be, by the time we got to the fifth round, we were going to be done. And so I've learned to over-prep for the fifth through the seventh round. So that's why, like a database, like I know that a lot of these exist, but if I have all my own where I can cultivate all the information I think is interesting, suddenly people are really going to think that I knew something about that guard that was taken out of, you know, random Towson or whatever. Like, it, it gives me a shot. Give me a shot. Ed, no, no, hold, hold on. You better know about that guard out of Townsend because Gruden's taken him with his first pick. So oh you better God. know about all well, the obscure guys. It, 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 I, you don't doubt it. That's why I really need a database is so that the random person I never thought would be picked that high, I, I'm, I'm eclipsed on. That's, that's the, the new reality of being a Raiders fan. Like, you know, you think you're disappointed every Sunday. Don't just wait. The draft will find some way to just kick in the no-no. Just scrolling, 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 scrolling. <laughs> and, and, and as I've said a million times, like, I, I love – Cleveland Furl. I love the player Cleveland Furl. I watched him a lot of Clemson. Absolutely enamored with him. Like I, I, he would have been a great pick in the middle of the first round. But they've had the camera right smack on my face when he was picked fourth overall, <laughs> and I just I did nothing. I just sat there and looked at the camera because I knew that it was a close up that would live with me forever. And so you know I, I sit there and root for him every Sunday because I, I just I want at some point to be able to look around like I have with Colton Miller a little bit to Mike Miller Jr. He did not like that pick either. They mocked me for that one. At least I've been able to give Mike a little bit of trash. Like, hey, Colton's turned out to be pretty good. So, you know, I, I just I just don't want to have to defend the pick for once. Okay. How worried are you now that they have uh, released or traded most of their offensive line that Gruden is going to take an offensive lineman in the first round instead of a defensive player? I mean, you can't tell me the tackles are out of the question. And here's the thing, like, with the Raiders, just I love everybody, the fans. They're like, look at this. We're clearing up money to make a massive move. Okay, that's fine. But you also have to acknowledge at some point that you just took your biggest strength and you weakened it. So if you are a team that, you know, frankly looks around and says, okay, you know, I, I, I got one thing I do incredibly well. Well, you no longer do that thing incredibly well without any offensive line. So I don't know what they're expecting. So uh, Joiner, uh, Terrell Williams, Trent Brown, $80 million guaranteed, and they're gone by 2021. Uh, massive failure. I mean, how, this has not been good free agency for Mike Mayock and John Gruden, and we still don't know about Littleton and Nassib and how they're going to work out, and I can't see many moves they've made as, as a tandem here where you're like, oh, that was a good move. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, if there's been a biggest failing for the, for the Las Vegas Raiders over the last several years, the pro scouting department has not done a good enough job, and that, there's just, that's just being real. And the other side of it is we've got to stop looking at great players and saying, oh, He's a great player. We want him here. It's not that simple. Like, at some point, the coaching staff, the front office, and the player development people all have to sit down together and say, is he a great player for our system, the way we want to do things, the way we want to run a defense? And the best analogy I can make is you can go in the grocery store and buy the fanciest of everything in every aisle, and it doesn't mean you'll have a good dinner. Like, at some point, who's making the menu? Who's picking the ingredients? And are they making sure that the ingredients are right for the dinner they're actually trying to make? It feels like sometimes that's the lost ingredient here for the Raiders. They're just going out and saying, well, he's a great player. Let's bring him in. I, I don't necessarily blame them as much. Like, who could know that Trent Brown was going to get paid and then seem to become indifferent? But you have to look at the rest of it. It's not about Trent Brown. It's about the entirety of the signings that they've had that have been big dollar signings, and they just haven't been good. So they've got to do better with the money that they're spending and not just rely on, on you know, hitting home runs on smaller-name free agents like Aguilar coming in. 
Man, that's a good analogy with the uh, buying ingredients and not being a good chef. Like, did you were you proud of yourself when you came up with that one? Yeah, I, I was actually. Like, I'm not going to lie about it. I'm probably going to steal it and use it the rest of the day. When you hear it on the ESPN <laughs> Radio Sports Beat, it's because you just you, I just pulled that out of my rear end, and now I'm going to just regurgitate it as often as possible. This is, this is the first time you've used it. Oh man, yeah, yeah. That, I was taking that a chance there. Great. Taking a real that, chance. Yeah. That is, I mean, that is Jared. Save that cut, Jared. We're going to play that. Save (laughs) that. That is an excellent analogy. Okay. What did you, what did you make of Trent Brown not only getting traded, but seeming to be pretty happy that he got traded out of Las Vegas? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's the hardest part about it. Like, it it just wasn't a good fit. And one of the weird things about the way free agency works is that most of the time you don't really get the chance because those offers come in so fast and furious in the beginning. You're not really going out and visiting and getting to know people and doing all that. Yes, there's the legal tampering period, but still, offers come so fast and furious that there's very little time to just be like, hey, fly out here, let's spend a couple of days together, see if we vibe with each other. Like, none of that happens. So, you know, players are really flying blind on whether or not they're going to end up enjoying the life or the team or the environment or the culture, all of these things. So, Trent Brown obviously responds to some level of structure that he gets out of New England that he wouldn't get in Vegas. It's a much different situation not just as a city, but in the way they run their organizations. And that's one of the epic fails of the way free agency is designed. I mean, people can love the idea of John Gruden, and they can love the idea of living in Vegas. But as anyone that's ever moved to Vegas from outside knows, there's an adjustment period. And whatever you think Vegas is, it may or may not be that. So not everybody thrives in that situation. So the human element, again, if Trent Brown were the one failed signing, I think we could all look at it and say, man, Trent Brown really let everybody down here. But because the Raiders have so many of these big-name signings that have turned out to do nothing, they have to shoulder part of the blame. Uh, one thing we've not asked about you in the few weeks, I want to get to this because I think you and Christine have done a great job. Uh, we asked Seth uh, Greenberg this earlier today. I'm giving you Gonzaga and Baylor or the field. Who are you taking? Man, the, the better in me says you always take the field when you have that opportunity. So I'm going to say take the field only because I'm not sure there's been a more inconsistent team the last few weeks in Michigan. But, man, when Michigan is on, they are just virtually impossible to beat. And to this, this point, the one thing I'd say is we, we love unpredictability in the, in the tournament every year. I'm not sure we're going to get as much unpredictability because this year's already been unpredictable. Like, the teams that win are the teams that have a lot of consistency, that have the same players together, that are able to bring some sort of leadership together. So, you know, I, I don't think the tournament is going to be as unpredictable as years past. So, I will still take the field, though, because I think we're leaving out, in that conversation, we're leaving out the entire Big Ten, and there's a lot of good basketball happening yeah. from the Big Ten. See, listen, the, the, the NCAA tournament, the unpredictability, it's great for the first two rounds, but, like, we need the actual good teams in the Final Four. Like, we don't need bad teams. It's great when the 12 seed beats the 5, but cut it out after that, because we want the <laughs> Final Four to be Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Illinois, or Iowa, or Ohio State, or some other combination of actual good teams. You know, and I thought that was, for the longest time, I thought that was wrong. I thought, nope, everybody wants the upset story. I went back and deep dive the ratings numbers on Final Fours and championships that don't involve Blue Bloods. They're not pretty. Like, so you're not wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody loves the, I can't believe UMBC just did that, or MTSU pulled off that upset. But, man, by the time we get to the Final Four, it's like, oh, cool, Duke, North Carolina. That's what people want to watch. And both of those teams happen to be trash this year comparatively. So (laughs) it's going to be interesting to see, like, if we get a Gonzaga-Baylor final, that'll be a great final. I'm just not sure anybody's going to care nationally. So it's a weird spot for college basketball to be in this year. 
is Gonzaga the best team you've seen in years? That's that's tough. Yes, because they're they're so well coached, and they just like what Gonzaga doesn't do is they don't make mistakes, right? Like they don't turn the ball over a lot. They they just they don't make mistakes. They do everything predictable in the right way. But is that better than some of those one and done? Like I think back to like the Kentucky team a few years ago. Like we've seen some teams that reminded me in the moment of that UNLV undefeated team that I watched as a kid. Like so, you know, until the final four. That's why I still hate Duke. But I, I think that <laughs> there's there's some element of yeah, like I mean, I flat <laughs> yes. out dislike. Like there is no doubt when, when if Mike Krzyzewski doesn't make the tournament, this might be my favorite NCAA tournament of all time. So you know, I, I, I'm not even holding that back. I have. I have one VHS tape in my house. It says 103-73 UNLV over Duke. That's the only VHS I had my whole life growing up is that tape. And the next year is the one that sticks in my cross. So if Duke can miss the tournament this year, that's almost as good as UNLV making the tournament. So uh, that being said, some of these one-and-done teams have just been spectacular to watch. So it's hard to say Gonzaga best ever. Uh, Don't hold your breath on the ladder, by the way. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I learned a long time ago to just give up hope, you know, but it's at least every once in a while, like once every three years, I feel like I look at it and say, you know what, this thing's built back the right way. And and they're going to be, they're going to be, no, no, they're not. No. And so it's just, it it is what it is. My only hope is that a new fancy stadium provides more football economics, which provides the opportunity to move to the Pac-12, which will require a higher level of everything from the athletics department as a whole. That's me fixing UNLV overnight in a not real fix. Do you have a VCR? Uh, yeah. Do you know how expensive those things are now too? Like, wow. I mean, you like, seriously, if you find a VCR in a thrift shop, like stop, stop trying to find like ancient Chinese artifacts in a thrift store, find a VCR, pop it up on eBay. You can get like 400 bucks for those things now. My God. Like, yeah. I've got a VCR and it's like, it's a, it's a treasured, piece for me nobody gets to touch it but me and my wife like i don't want your tapes in it i don't know what your tapes are going to do to this thing that they're hard to replace (laughs) not only does he have a vcr he's got it on a shrine he is jason fitz (laughs) jason we appreciate it thanks jason have a great week guys man a vcr do you still have a vcr no it's been decades once but what became what what did they call it before um dvr they called it some was it dvds no, 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 no. To tape to tape things off the TV, like not putting tape Kivo. like that. Yeah, like when that came, I mean, whatever VCR I had hit the hit the road. Man, I mean, I couldn't even. No, no chance. And then and then DVR and man, that would be that would be amazing just to see put, putting those thick tapes in and kind of like pushing buttons and stuff. I who's buying last, that stuff? The last VCR I remember having was like a TV that had a VCR built into yep. it. Those things yes. were great. Yes, yes. I had, I had, I had that. I think as late as like when I was in college. But since then, oh. I have, yeah, I, VCR. No. Apparently, they're expensive. Where I should have. How much is a TV with a VCR I mean, in it? I got to get some money for that, right? TV with the VCR was that. That was like the Target special at Christmas. Well, that's also. <laughs> like, the... I think that was like. I was yeah. just gonna say that those are also a, like the old style tube TVs. So I don't think it's the 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 problem is is you want to watch you you want to watch your VHS on plasma seventy two yeah, inch true. TV. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Ultra standard edition. It's gonna be great. But all right, this I had, kid, this he, kid's got to. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna add. Well, bigger 
the system is obviously rigged. The year that Alabama went to the playoff after losing, not playing in their own conference championship and losing two games are if Duke gets in. If Duke gets what in, because Alabama was actually oh. good that year. Yeah. Yeah. Duke isn't exactly. Duke isn't good this year. No, no. no. <laughs> but he just said the ratings are going to be the oh, ratings may not be as good, except in maybe in the Midwest. No. As, as much as I don't like it, if they got in, let's say they go on a run when like in the ACC tournament to get to the final, and of course then they'll look for any way to get them in. The ratings are better when they're in, right? I mean, because you're, you're seeing half and half. You're seeing people who love them and hate them, but they're going to watch. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, they, I, their ratings have to be better when they're in. Well, yeah, it's Duke. I mean, yeah. But they get all of Las Vegas tuned in, cheering for them to lose. Yeah, big, big Louisville fans today. Get, get them out. You just end it right now. All right, we need a new Sharp. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We need a new Sharp. Your chance to go on a streak by making some picks. So 702 702- 364-1100. We need a new Sharp. 702-364-1100. It's time to find the Sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Oh, our new Sharp is Nate. Nate, how are you this morning? Good. How are you doing? We are good. All right, Nate. What so, game Nate- would you like to bet on today? All right, I want to take advantage of your uh, obscure soccer rule and okay. go with Man City. Man City in the Premier League, a little tune-up before champions next week. Look at that. <laughs> Look at this kid coming in with the Man City. We're going right. to ride soccer all the way through this streak. There you go, I baby. Am, I am excited for it. All right, Man oh. City, they're at home today against Southampton. Um, oh, a little bit of background for both of you guys. Southampton lost 9 nothing oh. to Man United earlier this year. What? And, uh, Pep Guardiola said they're going to beat him 18 to nothing. So, oh, come on. We'll see you tomorrow, buddy. Safe pick, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> yep, we're going to keep it that way. I'll see you guys tomorrow. There you right, go. See you, Nate. So there you go. Man you City go. at home against Southampton. Expecting Nate knows where it's at. Yeah. He does. He does know where it's yeah. at. Um, by the way, Champions League is back today. Liverpool plays today, and also Barcelona and PSG. So, Ed, when you see me at the Thomas and Mac getting ready for UNLV, and I'm glued to my uh, computer screen, it's because Ooh. I'm watching that. Are you saying that Champions League's back and every team played and playing is on Jared's list? Uh, y- yes, everyone yes. playing today is on Jared's <laughs> list. That is accurate. <laughs> That is accurate. Yeah, bad day for Jared yesterday because he lost to Juventus. Uh, yeah, I was so upset. <laughs> but he, but, he uh, but Porto advanced for him instead. All right, no, they're good. Um, <laughs> they're not. Are okay. you going to <laughs> no, be so? Good. So wait, are are you going to be the guy that is listening or watching a sport on his laptop with the volume on during the national anthem? Ooh, I should be that guy. Yes. Do they? Oh, they still play the national I don't know. Anthem? Do they do the national anthem before the second game, or just the first, and then the night, and then the night thing? I don't know if they do it before every game. I think, that, yeah, just the first one. I think oh. you just get to sit down and watch basketball. Yeah, that's and too be, bad. Be distracted by soccer. That's, that's one of my favorite media. Way. The media room traditions is one guy not muting his phone during the national anthem, and you can hear, like, for some reason, Joe Buck yelling about like a a Friday night Mets game. It's important. 
that's that's the whole point of going to the press box, Jared, so you can watch a different game while you're in the press box. <laughs> Why else would you go? That's the key. That is the key. Well, that, you know, if you go to UNLV football, you better have a different game on somewhere. You can't be glued to the UNLV football game the whole time. That's just ridiculous. Well, you can if you believe those recruiting rankings. Come on. <laughs> all, the, all the studs about to arrive on campus? Speaking oh. of recruits. Oh, oh Ed. Ed, oh, I got to find this. I got to get the details right on this. Wait, is this an update on my favorite offensive lineman? Your favorite offensive lineman. Oh, Oh, I got to find, I got to get the details here. Exactly what it is. is Okay. His name's Rojas? Rosas. Every time. It's not not Rojas. You call him Rojas every time. Anthony Rosas. Um, He was selected to participate in this year's Blue-Gray Football All-American Bowl at Dallas Cowboys AT&T Stadium. The place he's going to be in a year anyway. That's right. I he's mean, going no. pro and getting drafted. Oh, man. I, this kid must be better than I actually thought in the beginning. I mean, when you're, <laughs> I mean, you got to be good when you're going to the NFL after a year. But, I mean, if you're in the blue, what's it, the blue-gray, blue-white, whatever that game blue is. Blue-gray All-American oh, Bowl. That's like, <laughs> that's a big time for their program, right? Do they have a lot of, they have a, those are usually kind of like the modern-day kids. Like, you know, the, 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 the De La Salle kids. Good for him. Well, I don't know. I have no idea where this kid goes to school, by the way. Where does he go? Uh, I don't know. Where's, I don't, I don't either. Where does don't he go know his name. Don't know where he goes to school. Know. Doesn't na- know the name of the, the game he's playing in. But he's my favorite player. I don't know. He doesn't have his high school in his bio anymore. Now it says UNLV, so I'm not sure where he went to high school. I, um, but I, according to Blue Gray Football's Twitter account, they so are good. on ESPN's family of networks, so you might be able oh. to watch Anthony Rosas oh. on TV at some point before he gets Wait. to UNLV. What if this kid like goes crazy at the halftime when you're supposed to announce your college choice and switches? Oh, he puts on oh. a different hat. I, yeah, I think he puts on a different hat. Signed. I think oh. he already signed, so I don't think that's going to be allowed. This is, you know, when we break down stories for fall camp, this is going to be the first time the beat writers going to go, hey. I don't want to step on your toes. What do you want? And I'm going to say, I want the offensive linemen to say, hey, go for it. Go for it. Like, you know, usually I say, yeah, I got to get the quarterback or the head coach. I want that offensive lineman to say, hey, it's all yours. It's going to be great. Okay, I think bad news. It looks like this game is only going to be uh, aired online. Uh, so you well, might have you know, to watch gotta, it online. Yeah, you know, he's got to get used to that. He's got to get used to that because he's going to the Mountain West Conference. Yeah. <laughs> 